there has to be a first guest, and that guest is Tara Sloan. She started in a rock band in Canada. She was on a TV show trying out for a giant rock band out of Australia. That leads to countless opportunities in broadcasting, including co-hosting Hometown Hockey with Ron McLean. She finds herself in California now with a brand new podcast called The Undercurrent, where she's working with the San Jose Sharks, as well as Ringside for NBC. Sounds pretty rad to me, and she's here to tell that story and more on Do, Did, Will. It's the first episode. Here we go. Hello. Welcome. You're number one. Thank you. Oh my gosh. I am so honored. Like, I'm kind of floored that you would pick me because you know lots of people and you know lots of notable and famous and accomplished people. So thank you. You know, famous uh, might be overrated for some because I've had some pretty terrible conversations with famous people. You <laughs> know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And and, and yeah. you especially, I'm sure, have been put into all of those scenarios. Um, but I, I definitely... I just, I, you've got such a fascinating story. Um, we've been trying maybe over the course of the last couple of years to figure this out, you know, with the old show of mine, but I, I just think that it lends itself to this, this show. And when I was thinking about launching this show, I actually internally, I manifested, but I'm like, I'm going to launch it with Tara. It has to be her to start the whole thing off. Cause I just, so I just nice. love the journey that you've taken. And, um, we had an opportunity to hang a little bit this summer and I'm just like, it's the right, it's the right thing because, uh, you've just, you've done some great stuff. So Thank welcome you. to the show. Yeah. Uh, I love the look of your brand new podcast studio there. It looks awesome. <laughs> and, uh, and making uh, the best anyway. of what I got here. Yeah. Happy new year and all the rest of it. We'll get into all the other stuff, but how are you? How have you been? How are the holidays? All the rest of it. You know, I'm, I'm good. Um, it's been a really chaotic, like 2021 was just chaos. And I'm not even talking about COVID and coming out of COVID, you know, just yeah. for me, life transition, um, leaving Sportsnet, moving from Toronto to California. I quite honestly never thought I would live in the United <laughs> States. Right. Um, so, and just like, trying to find the right spot landing wise in terms of job and, um, being legal in the U S you know, it's just, it's just been a lot of upheaval, um, kind of yeah. both emotional and physical. Um, so I am so fortunate to say that I'm starting 2023 in a really good place. I, I've been in California for I guess not quite six months. I'm starting to feel like I live here. I have two jobs that are really cool and perfectly suited to what I want to do. My daughter really loves it here. Yeah. And so I have this like feeling of contentment, which is honestly a little bit unfamiliar. We as Canadians, and I, I have friends that live in America that, that have lived in America for 20 years and, and tons of musician friends, and I'm sure we all have them. But isn't it a funny thing as Canadians – where we're like, oh, you're going to go live in America? Because we as, you know, the Canada versus USA battle all around hockey, of course, but yeah. all the rest of it, it's like the Canada-US battle and that that the the media or the press or all of us, we joke about the intensity of it, but but um, it's, it's kind of real a little bit. There's a bit of like rivalry there. And, you know, sometimes when you, I find that as a Canadian, when you say, oh, well, I'm going to go, 
uh, I spent all my time in America. Or I'm going to go live in America. And the occasional Canadians like, oh, yeah, why, why are you going to do? Why not? Why are you leaving Canada? And it's just a funny kind of thing. So I'm sure we can get into that. But that, was, yeah. that, was that was that was uh, that an odd thing for you to 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 make that move? Yeah, as a, I mean, as a Canadian, or you just go where the work is, and that's sort of the idea, you know. I, you know, I had a couple of occasions during my music career where I probably could have made the move. I think you know, our record company was based in New York, and that would have been a natural fit at that time in my life. And even after Rockstar in Excess, I mean, it didn't open that many doors for me musically, but it would have been a time when I maybe could have seen myself in LA. Yeah. Um, but I just kind of felt like, I don't know, I, I felt Canadian. I felt loyal to Canada. Uh, I never really liked this idea that in order to make it in Canada, you had to go make it in the States. Although I think in some instances, you are more accepted and kind of held in higher esteem if you've gone and you know, gotten a record deal in the U.S. and then come back to Canada. That's its own mm -hmm. kind of, I, I, don't, I don't know what that ethos is with Canadians, but yeah. I just, you know, I, I love Canada. I have no problem with it. I've always, you know, I've had sustained work situations in Canada. Um, so I just, you know, and I feel very Canadian. I feel very connected to Celsius and socialized <laughs> medicine and, you yeah. know, all the things that you kind of grow up with. And so at this stage of life, like in middle age, it's, it's actually pretty intense to just, you know, I'm watching all these American, I, I pay attention to politics anyway, but sure. things are just different. It's just, it's different here. Politically, it's a little bit more of a divided hotbed, although I, I would say Canada's kind of headed in that direction anyway. Um, and it's, I mean, what are you going to do? I fell in love with somebody who lives here and here I am. So yeah, you are. Certainly that and a beautiful part gonna... of the world and a beautiful part yeah. of the world too, which is, you know, not yes. too hard to, uh, to, uh, you know, be convinced to move to, you 100%. know, I, I don't, I don't think in that, in that regard, but it's, uh, it's certainly an interesting to your point too, about the Canadian, uh, when you make it in America and then some people kind of accept you, there's two ways to that. Cause some, there was a lot of Canadian bands that weren't accepted, you know, when they kind of. So it's like, oh, they got big in America before here. Well, we don't, we don't, mm -hmm. we're not into that anymore. But then, you know, a lot of, a lot of bands have had some major success. And and, and I think that the, especially in the last 15 to 15 years, it's okay to say you're from Canada now when you make it as a big artist or, yeah, or professionally in any that. profession. It's, it's sort of like everyone's working everywhere now, you know? Yeah, which is, I agree. Which is, um, okay. So this, this show is do, did, will it's people who do people who did and people who will you qualify for all three categories. Um, and, um, so to get the ball rolling here, we, we do, I'm going to, you know, it's pretty simple questions, but, but you're doing a lot of things. So let's kick this off properly. Uh, Tara, what do you do? <laughs> well, I am currently, so I'm living in, uh, just outside of San Jose, California, a little town called Los Gatos. Um, I managed to find myself uh, with a couple of positions, both uh, involving the San Jose Sharks. So I host a podcast called The Undercurrent. I uh, also do some video content and some other stuff uh, for the Sharks organization themselves. And then I've also been brought on by NBC Sports Bay Area to help with their coverage. So I'm doing some rinkside reporting uh, for them, which is actually really fun because I honestly haven't done that since 
I worked, you know, university cup and, and, uh, CHL hockey a long, long time ago. So that's been fun. Uh, and I will, uh, fill in, in some hosting capacity a little bit later on in the season. So it's a little bit of a mishmash of a lot of stuff. Um, and that in itself is really fun for me because it keeps it alive and interesting. And this is an interesting hockey market. It's not like any Canadian market, obviously, Hockey is not the number one sport here. So the organization, the Sharks, are really focused on growing the game. Yeah. And for me, that is just about unearthing stories and telling them. So it's a, it's a great the, challenge. Your show um, with your last guest, and he was talking about um, how it's it, there wasn't really a local che- team to cheer for. You know, before the sharks kind of got no. there, you went to Oakland or you went and did a, a few things, and that was fat. That that's interesting to to us as Canadians because we always have a local team to cheer for in some capacity, even if it's junior hockey or whatever. And mm-hmm. you know, American football is so crazy, and college football and all the rest of it. Um, to think that a hockey team could work in Silicon Valley, but it's been one of the most successful franchises, I would say, um, and it's it's definitely a place to 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 go and the people are, are ingrained in it. And most of the people that I know that are hockey fans down there are totally mm-hmm. all the, all the way in on it. So that's, well, they that had a lot exciting. of success. They had a lot of, um, years where they didn't miss the playoffs. So yeah. they were, they were pretty spoiled for a while there sure. right now is a, I would, I don't know if it's labeled exactly a rebuild, but it's, you know, it's not a team that's necessarily going to make the playoffs. So, um, you know, that's the additional, um, yeah challenge but of you know keeping the fans gaining new ones but yeah it's, it's a great hockey market really great spot you were talking about ringside and you've done a little bit of it uh, before but that's it did this come out as a byproduct of 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 the, of the gig at the san jose sharks or was it one of those things where you it kind of you you added to it you went seeking for it because that's that's a different gig as well Right. Yeah. You know what? I had been in contact with uh, NBC Sports here, um, a woman named Devin Fox and a guy named Sean Madison, who have both been my absolute champions. And it's almost I mean, the job was actually kind of created for me because they knew I was coming. Um, they haven't traditionally had a reporter uh, rinkside. They have, you know, what their color analyst will do the interviews with players between periods and that's still the case. So they really created this position for me where I'm, you know, I'll do an interview with an alumnus. I will tell stories kind of punctuated through the, uh, the game and, you know, some other kind of just less, you know, X's and O's hockey related stuff. Um, and I, you know, I'd like to think it adds just a, another dimension to what is already a great, broadcast this is a world-class group of people but yeah they they knew i was coming and they they kind of just kept kept my seat warm um we'll die we're going to dive a little bit into the journey to get there but um obviously the hometown hockey side of it and telling stories um which is another reason i need to to say like why i thought you'd be perfect for this because i loved what hometown hockey did and, and the fact that you guys were telling these stories of these small towns and some of these th- these great stories and it's in essence it was a live podcast every sunday it was awesome mm. to watch and i thought you, you you would be great to kick this off with this and and the, that training helps to to go into the nbc thing but is it sort of a throw things against the wall is it prepped out 
in like a like a like a real good media show like you how much work are you putting into that to that gig because i don't know if anybody if anybody really understands what would go into this gig we see everybody doing yeah. field you know court side field side uh rink side but what goes into that gig for you you know it's it's you, you got to do a lot of digging and you know i work really closely with sean madison the producer and um you know, some games are going to be easier than others. Like storylines emerge, like our, our last um, show before the holidays, you know, there was, that kind of was easy with some holiday themed stuff and talking about the last day um, that NHL ever played on Christmas day was actually the California golden seal. So it was just stuff like that was emerging other times that, you know, you got to dig a little deeper and I'm just constantly keeping my eyes and ears out for, for stories and, um, things that would be of interest to the audience. And here, I mean, quite honestly, you know, with hometown hockey, we would go into a market and, you know, there was a local organizing committee and people knew we were coming and hockey is just part of the fabric of the country. So, I mean, if we had, you know, we always said like we had an embarrassment of riches. Our, our cup raneth over um, because we had so many stories we could never fit them into our broadcast. Here it's a little bit more difficult because hockey is not like, you know, not every yeah. family has a kid playing hockey. It's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit different. So it is a matter of like really being creative and and figuring out what works. But American you know, hockey is obviously we had the Medanos of the world and, you know, that and Brett Hall and, and those people that really helped bring that into the forefront. So it's, it's just as, as big as it is in Canada, it might not be as publicized as much, but you must, uh, see, you know, like I got friends in Vegas whose kid plays seven days a week. It's just insane. And there's for sure 40 rinks just in Vegas that people wouldn't even think about that are rammed with kids that are just playing and playing and playing. Obviously the Vegas golden Knights helped with that and all the teams right, and the sharks awesome. here help with that. And the sharks right? help with that. Yeah. Right. So I would imagine it would be like mini sharks, like little, I don't know what they're yeah, called. They are the junior sharks. Yeah. <laughs> little sharks. So, uh, so that's awesome. Well, that's, that's great to know. And I'm, and I'm glad that, that, uh, and I, and I never, worried about this but it's one of those things where when you hit the ground running and then the one thing happens and then a billion things happen so it's going to be very interesting to see how uh ingrained you become in in that region of california and uh and then this is your home now and 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 you're just it's 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 exciting it's exciting so yeah um so i want to go uh so there's been a few journeys to get there so the the next kind of you know side of it that we like to get into is the deal, the did portion. And how did you do it? You know, how did you, <laughs> how did you do it? How did you get from Halifax to on stage trying out for NXS to hometown hockey, to having one of the most successful, you know, Canadian rock bands. There's so many different uh, journeys that take us to where we are. So Tara, how did you do it? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I mean, I'll, try to keep this short, I suppose. Um, I, I think the whole thing begins with the fact that I grew up a hockey fan, but never in a million years would have, uh, imagined myself working within it. I mean, you know, I grew up in the seventies. I didn't know any girls who played hockey. I certainly didn't see any, anybody on camera who looked like me. Um, so 
and not sure I would have entertained that as a career anyway. Music was always my passion and I grew up singing, but I, again, loved hockey, watched Hockey Night in Canada with my dad. It was the ritual like it was for many families. Um, so, you know, I studied music all through school. I worked at Sam the Record Man. That was my part-time job. I studied classical voice. That, it turned out I did not have the discipline to pursue that. Um, I went to theater school and then found myself yearning for music again. And so I, I had lived in Montreal, moved to Toronto to pursue acting, but just missed music. And so ended up finding an ad in Now Magazine Wow. Looking yeah. for a singer. And I answered it. I was looking for a rock goddess, actually. But um, <laughs> and so I called and I met with Tony and Tom and Thomas. And that was in 1996. And we clicked right away. And within less than a year, we had signed a record deal with Tommy Boy Records out of New York City. Um, Which was, was a big deal for a Canadian act, by the way. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about this sort of America versus Canada. We like we did showcases for many, 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 many record companies, and we had a lot of interest. None of them were Canadian. Like th we invited them, but none of the Canadian labels were into it. Uh, anyway, that's a different conversation. Sure. We toured relentlessly from '98 to 2002, and within that time, we we released two albums. Ultimately, you know, like a lot of bands, we met our demise when our record company folded, our album was shelved, um, the momentum we had, which was huge. We had a song called Sometimes Wanna Die, which had gone to number one on much more music. Yeah. I was like in the top five and on the pop charts. And then we weren't able to follow it up because um, the record company went under the the support dried up and we just didn't have the internal strength as a group as a group marriage of four people to sustain it. So, you know, I had a few years of like trying to figure out what to do. I started working with Jordan Zadarazny from Blinker the Star on some solo stuff. Um, and then in 2005, the opportunity came to do the show Rockstar in Excess. I was very hesitant. I took a lot of convincing. They, they approached me. Actually, it was a fan of Joy Drop that sent a package in. Uh, on your behalf? On my on behalf, encouraging them to bring Jeez. me onto the show. And so I ultimately thought, okay, listen, if I, if I don't do it, I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life. So I did it. Um, in retrospect, I realized that it is what opened the door to television for me. It did nothing for my music career. <laughs> um, I put out a solo album in 2007 and, you know, I the music industry is fickle, radio is fickle. I loved the album that we made, but it didn't have any traction. So it was disheartening from a musical perspective. But what happened after I got kicked off Rockstar in Excess was that I was starting to get requests from all of these um, like radio stations and Entertainment Tonight Canada and eTalk and stuff like that. And so I started to get TV experience. And so when it came time you know, when I decided I wanted to transition out of full-time music and get a job, uh, TV felt like a natural fit. So got a job, worked at a small station in Toronto where I was able to learn on, on the job for real. Um, then moved on to host Breakfast Television Calgary for five years. I did that. And that was really where the opportunity to work in sports arose. 
I had sort of a chance meeting with the president of Sportsnet, Scott Moore. Um, I was thrown into a gig last minute and he was like, who are you? And wow, <laughs> that was good. It was, it was Canada's Sports Hall of Fame. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, you know, from there I was invited to do, you know, CHL games. I did provincial curling. Um, I did all kinds of weird stuff. I did like a soccer game. I did bobsleigh, just whatever I could do. Um, and then when hometown hockey, I I remember getting the press release across my desk uh, at BT and it basically said, there's this new show. It's going to tour across Canada telling, you know, stories of hockey heroes and local hockey, um, you know, organizations and it's going to be hosted by Ron McLean. And I thought, well, that's, that's for me. So I threw my hat into the ring. I wrote a letter to the president of Sportsnet and it took some, some time, but they brought me on. And that was, you know, that was eight years from 2014. And I would say, you know, how I got here, uh, you know, I think everything has a shelf life, but I think were it not due to COVID, you know, we weren't going to run out of hockey markets to hit, right? Like yeah. we, there's tons we still didn't get to. Um, and some really heartbreaking, like yeah, the yeah. last December, um, right when Omicron hit, we were scheduled to do Gander and we were, had just been pushing so hard for so many years to get there. And they were so excited for us and, oh, and we were so excited for it. So tons of places we didn't get to, but, you know, COVID really, we were a touring show and we just had so many stops canceled. Um, so I, we all saw the end coming. Um, and which so, is, you know, I, which is tough that, that's because it was such a unique, but cool vibe. There was that Sunday game and you guys would, you know, and, 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 if you've ever been to like a hometown hockey experience, I mean, you guys were here in Langley and it's, it's great. You take over the city. It's like a whole, it's a whole thing. And it really, mm-hmm. it was really special to watch and, and uh, to see that in, in motion. And I think it, it really shined a light on, on, uh, it was a very Canadian show. And I mean, that respectfully, very. I mean, oh, yeah. that respectfully, I mean, it, it was one of those things where it's like, we need something that we, you and I, we grew up on where we used to get these features of like, things and i find that that went away and i found that hometown hockey really Mm. brought that feature of these small towns back yeah i agree we it was the most canadian show and i know it wasn't everybody's cup of tea and that that's fine some people want to listen to the analysis between periods and that's not what we set out to do and and we were you know we had no apologies what what we wanted to do was um to highlight these communities and these people uh in you know, the best way and in a way that would make them proud. I remember at the beginning, like Ron would sometimes, you know, he would list off these names that were like, you know, talk about people from the local hockey organization, you know, and he'll he'll list like five names. And I remember thinking to myself, like, Ron, like nobody knows these. It's like, that's minutia, right? But then people were so grateful. Like, thank you for, you know, they say, thank you for mentioning my grandfather. He's been doing this for 45 years. And, you know, thank you for highlighting this volunteer because they, you know, they just don't get enough love. And then I realized like, no, there was no name too small 
sure. to talk about on this show. And that's what it was. If we left a community having made them feel proud and having made them feel like we did it justice, then we did our job. And it yeah. was very rewarding. Um, no politics. We're not getting into any of the, the, the meat and potatoes. However, you, in essence, I mean, Ron spent so many years with Don mm -hmm. that it was Ron and Don, Ron and Don, and now it's Ron and Tara. Mm -hmm. Did you, did you feel that pressure? Not really. I mean, there were a lot of jokes about it, mostly from Ron. And, sure. um, yeah, I mean, they, listen, they had their own unique relationship and I obviously have, you know, for people who have been paying attention, I have my own thoughts about Don, yeah. um, yeah. or at least, you know, Don's politics and giving him a platform of that size for that long. I, but, you know, there was a lot of love and unfortunately with Ron and Don, it didn't end well. And I, I really feel terribly for, for Ron that he was put in a position where he was viewed to have thrown his co-host, his partner in crime, you know, of 30 years under the bus. I don't, I don't think that was fair. Um, but no, I didn't, I didn't feel the pressure of Don. I felt the pressure of like, oh my God, I'm hosting a national show next to Ron McClain. Yeah. Like I would just kind of look over and be like, have these moments of like, what am I doing here? Um, and I always say this, you know, Ron believed in me before I did. I, I really truly believe that. Like I wouldn't have had that seat next to him were it not for his faith. It's not like, Oh, he allowed me to be there. It's like, Oh, he trusted me. Yeah. Uh, he was never proprietary about which stories he told, which stories I told. He just wanted the best storytelling and he had faith in me that that I was the right person to sit there beside him so I'm forever grateful for that yeah and and again I still think it's it is is one of the most important shows that we've had in the last you know 10 to 15 years I, I really think that um that they should consider doing at least some version of this so it doesn't it doesn't um fall by the wayside. I, I don't think there's enough feature on, on these small mm -hmm. towns. And I thought you guys did a great. Yeah. yeah it's, we, we as Canadians are humbly like, you know, and I, and I mean this all due respect to, to Americans, but there is the rah, rah, like our high school football team, we're going to kick. It's the best. And, and everyone's, it, it's like the, the small town uh, high school football teams are like super featured and almost more famous than half of the, you know, the, the, the politicians or celebrities in the world. It's just such a thing. And we don't, we as Canadian being humble, it's like, well, we can't talk about our town. That's, it's not very Canadian of us, <laughs> right. you know, we, know, right. It's not very Canadian of us. It's just, it's almost like this show is like, no, talk about your town. Oh, okay. But we're sorry that we're doing it, but okay. <laughs> you know, it's so, it's, uh, and it's I just true. thought it was very important. So that, so then the, that obviously ends and it, and it breaks into, you know, the, the world kind of shuts down for a while, kind of coinciding with it. Um, I, I, I want, I don't know if limbo is the word I'm, I'm looking for for you, but there, there must've been a weird kind of feeling at that point. And then sort of that, what, what's next kind of vibe. Well, we actually, I mean, we were off the road and then back on the road and we were on the road until the end of last season. So we actually did 14 out of 25 stops yeah. in the 21-22 hockey season. Um, but it just, I, we just all had this feeling, you know, again, we'd had so many stops canceled. Um, 
logistics were becoming more and more of an issue. I mean, COVID, you know, if somebody got COVID, then the entire crew got COVID and like yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Um, so even just, yeah. And then I don't even know what happened or transpired in terms of like sponsorship dollars that aren't fulfilled because the show doesn't go on, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I think, and they moved us to Mondays, which was also the kiss of death, I think. Yeah. Um, so it took them a while to divulge to us that the show wasn't coming back, but we knew, and I was already, I was already making plans, you know, I mean, yeah. my relationship is, you know, going on a few years at this point. And so it, it, I was ready, but I wasn't ready for like how it would feel. Like it wasn't like the rug was pulled out from under me because I, again, I knew, but it was just sad. You know, it was, it was sad as hell that this chapter was concluding. Creative people get sad when the things they're creating potentially end. And I think yeah. that, you know, that would be with, I know you still play some shows and, and do some things, but there had to have been, we all move in different directions. As you said, you came out of in excess and the thing, and now you're on TV and you're like, okay, I guess I'm not doing the music thing now. I'm going to do this. And mm -hmm. I always wanted to be in a band, but now I'm, I was, but now I'm running concerts it just goes you just go where it kind of takes you um uh so that that's it's an interesting kind of journey that we all we all go on and it presents all these different things but um it's now led you uh, to here and and i think that's a uh, very interesting mm -hmm. that the the broadcasting side of it would you say is almost dominating now right it's 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 the music it's more than the yeah. music i guess at this point i, I mean yeah. i'm sad to say that i really haven't I barely picked up my guitar. I haven't really been doing music and I don't, you know, I, I think joy drop. I would, it's our 25th anniversary of our first release of our, or the, the release of our first album metasexual is 2023. So I'm hoping we can at least figure out one show this summer. Mm -hmm. Um, but music, you know, I don't, I don't know anybody here. So it's not a big part of my life right now, which is sad because I think about it all the time. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the broadcast side. It's the media side. Um, but you know, wrapped up within that for me, it's, you know, it's also like the growing the game side of it for me, mm -hmm. uh, making hockey, hockey a more equitable space. Like what I do media wise is all imbued with that. For me, that's like the, my kind of raison d'etre within hockey. Well, you're, it's, it's an, it's an important space. I, I, I'm a, you know, and I, I think people need to, um, add Tara to all your socials because you're also a massive proponent for women's rights, uh, within the sport. And you've been very vocal about, um, all the problems within the culture and I, and hockey will get centered out because we're talking about it, but it's all sports. I think, I think it's, hockey culture has been, it needs a change and you've been extremely, uh, vocal about that. Um, so I commend you for that side of it. I think it's amazing. Um, I, that would, I want to take this into, you know, what will you do next as part of the will section of this show? Um, obviously we're talking about the, the podcast that you have, but um, let's go, let me go to the, you know, the, the things that you you're fighting for and are you adding that to this next phase? Like you're going to continue to fight forward while you're doing this content and all the rest of it, what's, what's next for you? Yeah. I mean, 
right now, I don't know. This is a bit of a, a transition season for me. So I'm kind of, you know, I think within the the Sharks and NBC, we'll see what works and what doesn't leading into next season. Um, so far, everything's feeling great. You know, I mean, I'm not... I'm trying not to bash people over the head all the time. I'm just trying to be <laughs> inclusive, you know, and I do on social media bash people over the head, but you know, my podcast, I'm just trying to be inclusive. You know, I'm just trying to make it more than one thing. I'm trying to make it a representative space. Yeah. Um, and same with the features that we're shooting for the sharks and same with whatever content I bring in for NBC. So that way, you know, it's, I, I'm just doing it by, by being representative. It's not like, um, yeah, it's not that subversive. It's just kind of being inclusive. Uh, I could see myself moving into more of an organizational role at some point, uh, having to, to do with that and that kind of outreach and community stuff. Um, but we'll see. I also, I really enjoy talking to people just as you do. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, you know, my skill set and my interests don't solely lie within hockey. I loved hosting a morning show. The only problem was I had to be there at four in the morning. And <laughs> that for me was like not a sustainable schedule, but I'm kind of interested in everything. So, you know, I'm also, I wouldn't rule out doing other stuff in media. Um, but I'm, I am really feeling quite like content where I am right now. Yeah. It's like, it's enough of a, a challenge to, to figure out how to tell the best stories um, in a market that's like not all hockey all the time. But the undercurrent is, you know, San Jose shark based, you know, as far as like the guests that you've had on some of the people within the organization, is there room to, uh, uh, they told you to stay within that space? Are you actually able to, you know, branch that out and, and go into different subjects or is it sort of San Jose shark based for now? It's shark ish. Yeah. But I mean, I, I'm, I really think it's hockey, you know, it's, yeah. uh, and I mean, I may step outside of that too. Who knows? I, I think at this point it's, I, I'm, I've been given a lot of leeway and it's kind of what's interesting to me. I have the understanding that this lies within the, the sharks, um, you know, audio network. So I don't want to go too far astray, but at the same time, you know, I think I'm for sure, you know, bringing in and will bring in people who are outside of the sharks sphere. Yeah. Um, because I think, you know, hockey is obviously it's a much greater space. So yeah, we'll see. I'm like six interviews in and yeah, I'm starting to, to expand, expand my search a little bit. It's fun, but I mean, you have that experience from, you know, you can pull all that stuff in from the BT and, and all that stuff. So it's, 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 uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, who inspires you? Where do you pull your inspiration from? Who inspires me? I mean, you know, I, I get asked this a lot and it's, I, I always go back to music, you know, like mm. I, there's for me, I mean, yes, I grew up, um, studying Buddhism, right? So people like, so of course the Buddha and people who are great thinkers and people who are great meditators and people who are was who have equanimity. equanimity. Okay. That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> You're the journalist. I'm just the guy in the basement. <laughs> who possess equanimity. Um, yeah. 
you know, people like, gosh, like there's so, you know, Nelson Mandela, like people who create peace uh, in the world. But I, the people who like, like knock my socks off are the people who are unabashedly themselves. And, you know, when I was growing up for me, it was like Chrissy Hyand was kind of my number one. Yeah. And I think I recognized in her, like she didn't have the best voice, but she was her and she was unabashedly her, like people like her and Patti Smith, um, Annie Lennox. Those were like my childhood wows. Um, and as I got older, you know, I just, I keep recognizing that in, in people who are just like David Bowie is a big one for me, Robert Plant. And I didn't, I don't think I knew it so much early in the early days of the tragically hip, but, you know, watching Gord Downey on stage and then seeing his journey as he confronted mm -hmm. and contemplated his mortality. Yeah. Like, I don't think that there's anybody who has been less afraid of being themselves than Gord Downey. So it's, it, that's a funny like inspiration for me because I wasn't like the hugest tragically hip fan. I appreciate them so much, but watching somebody like that, somebody like David Byrne, like somebody who's just, it's, like, it's, just, it's funny with the hip because the, it's funny with the hip because the hip were polarizing from the standpoint of you were either in or you were not. And I, unfortunately what, you know, when Gord had to go through the cancer and, and announced that, it, you know, there was basically, we, we started getting the feeling that it was going to be the end and, and him embracing it. Um, people that weren't all of a sudden were, and I know it's, 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 a, it's a sad thing from the standpoint of like, well, mm -hmm. now you like him just because of this, but I go the other way. I'm like, no, I think that you're seeing the brilliance that was Gord and is Gord happening in real time that mm -hmm. either a, the fans already saw or B you just didn't realize it at the time, but now you're seeing it. And I think it just, it just embraced, it embraced a country, like it took over a country and I haven't seen anybody uh, have that effect in a long time. And, and uh, I was going to ask you about the pretenders because they played the Taylor Hawkins thing and um, the, the tribute show in, in Wembley. And it was like, you know, that was another scenario where, the music industry and everyone came together and there's only a handful of people around the world where that could actually do this, mm -hmm. you know, and, and Gord for Canada was, is like, he's the mayor, you know what I mean? And that was, that was a tough one to, to watch happen in real time. Uh, but, but also, yeah, I, I think it's, you know, in Buddhist teachings and probably in many disciplines, um, you know, it's a blessing to be able to um, face down your death you know, it's like, it's because you have the opportunity to confront it. Like death that comes without warning has, is different. And yeah. so, but Gord did like, I, if anybody could die perfectly, he did because he just, by all accounts, he became just even more fearless than he already was. Yeah. And then, you know, on top of it, his drive and devotion, um, with the Cheney Wenjack project and, and, you know, just his push to the government. I mean, it just was, holy shit, man. Like he went that, out swinging. that's a hero to me. That is a, that yeah. is a hero. And it is, you know, people like that, but I'm also, you know, I, I think, so it's like not so much though, the famous people all over the place, as you said, like some of the, you know, like there are lots of famous people who are dull. Um, 
you know, I've been so lucky to crisscross the country and do lots of interviews with people who are like, who, whose names you'll never know, but they work to make other people's lives better. And so I draw my inspiration from those people in those moments. You live in one of the most outdoorsy places on the planet. So how do you find balance now? What are you doing to balance everything? Well, that inspires me for sure. I mean, it's, we've had a crazy, uh, well, last week I wasn't here for all of it, but we had, we've had some really stormy weather. Um, the most rain I think they've had in this part of the world since like the 1800s and there's more to come. So it's, it's concerning. Um, but you know, right now I'm looking outside, it's sunny, it's about 14 degrees Celsius, um, it's become quite green here because of all the rain. Uh, in the summer, everything's kind of yellow, but here it's really green. And so I've been making the most of, you know, hiking in the redwoods. And yeah. um, there's just, there are lots of mountains and and there's the ocean about half an hour from me. So that's it's my uh, God's that's country. My, oh, I love it. I mean, I'm a, I'm a water baby, so it's got to happen. It's, it's got to happen yeah. uh, as much as possible. I find water wherever I can. And uh, it's, uh, you know, we live out here on the, the West Coast, so we, it's a little easier for us. It's great. So, yeah, um, no, I'm, I'm super lucky. Well, friend, I mean, I can't thank you enough for being number one on the show. Uh, so this is like very, uh, important to me and, uh, um, your friendship means a lot to me and I, and, and you've been very supportive of the journey that I've taken so far on this and, uh, making time for, for a brand new show, uh, to come out, uh, is, uh, you know, uh, means a lot. And so I, I, I really want to thank you, uh, on behalf of the listener who's learned <laughs> a lot about one of the most inspiring people I know, and that's doing incredible stuff. Uh, tell us a little bit about where everyone can find you online a little bit more about the show and then, uh, and we'll wrap up here. Well, okay. Since that's up, that photo, the undercurrent, uh, is available anywhere you get your podcasts and we're, we're aiming for weekly ish. (laughs) Um, and so, yeah, that's really just people that I find compelling in and around the world of, of hockey, not strictly in the Bay area. Um, so that just keep checking, um, for that. I'm, check the sharks YouTube page. Um, but of course I put everything out on Twitter and Instagram. I'm not on TikTok. I just can't go down that rabbit hole. So <laughs> at Tara Sloan, T A R A S L O N E, as you can see on your screen. And uh, that's it. I'm really, um, easy to find. And easy to follow, easy to listen to. Uh, and, and when you, once you listen to her, you're going to be like, she's my new friend. Cause you just, uh, you have such a appealing way. So I, I can't thank you enough, uh, again. And, um, to everyone listening at home, please make sure that you follow along on her journey because it's uh, starting again. The journey has started again for her. Uh, there's a new, a new world for her in California and, um, and I couldn't be happier for you. So, uh, hopefully you'll come back down the road and we'll talk, we'll, we'll talk about the did part and how it's been going, uh, since then. So, that's been the, the Do Did Will podcast for another week, my friends. Thank you so much for listening. It's the Story of People podcast, and one of my favorite people in the world is here, and she told her story, and I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, thanks, everybody. Thanks, Tara. See you next time. What happens when we play outside? 
We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's take this outside. A new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's take this outside. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at Let's Take This Outside.ca. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.